we're joined by Calvary Baptist Church youth pastor Donnie Macaluso. Still on. Hey, how about that? This thing's heavier than it looks. All right. Sorry about that, Joe. I know I didn't warn you about moving this back over. Sorry. This is, uh, well, this used to be my favorite time of year, right, when school was ending. Uh, Looking forward to summer, looking forward to uh, years ahead as a senior and what the Lord had and what he did and and what he was going to do. Now, being out of school, I don't get summers off. Uh, So it's a little bit different, but still battle through some of the same things, which one of the things I remember as a senior that I had to battle a lot was getting lazy, right? You're like looking towards the end, looking towards summer, looking forward to college possibly, a job, and I had to be pushed to finish well. You know, and, and that's our prayer for, for all of you, is that you finish well. And when we say that, we're not just talking school. We're talking life. Right? Because in life, there are things that will come along that will try to pull you in other directions and try to drive you downward. And one of those things, one of the big things is failure. I know it's not a word we like to use, but it is something we all face. If you have never failed, stand up. Nice, I like that. That's a short-term memory right there. That's good. Take a look around. Nobody's standing up. So everyone is in the same boat when it comes to failure. And I know at the end of the school year, it's probably not a good thing to talk about failing, right? But we all go through it. We all have to face it at some point in our life or another or multiple points in our life. And if somebody says that they've never failed, they're either a pathological liar or they've never lived. So I have a short video to show you of some famous failures that have happened through history.
said he would never amount to much. Was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she wasn't fit for television. Fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination and having no original ideas. At age 11, he was cut from his team after being diagnosed with a growth hormone deficiency, which made him smaller in stature than most kids his age. At 30 years old, he was left devastated and depressed after being unceremoniously removed from the company he started. A high school dropout whose personal struggles with drugs and poverty culminated in an unsuccessful suicide attempt. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and that he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Rejected by Decca Recording Studios, who said, we don't like their sound, they have no future in show business. His first book was rejected by 27 publishers. His fiancée died, failed in business, had a nervous breakdown, and was defeated in eight elections. Some pretty famous failures, huh? See, we're not alone. We're not alone in failure. But if you noticed, these guys, these people that were talked about on this video, were not defined by their failure. Right? Would you agree? Yeah. Right? They all got past that and became something special. And so this morning, and I could tell you stories of my own famous failures, which are probably too long to list, and I try not to remember a lot of them. Um, but I'll tell you about one of them that I had, because my friends like to remind me of it. I used to own a four-wheeler, and it was a racing four-wheeler, and I had no idea how to drive this thing. So they're like, hey, let's go run the country, and go around and go as fast as we can because they were, they were well-versed in four-wheeler riding. I'm like, sure, let's try it. So get going and doing okay and going around. And uh, we're going back home. And to go home, we had to cross Route 68. We had to go through the ditch, up, across the road, and down. And uh, my four-wheeler had a clutch. So when you stop, you hold in the clutch so the four-wheeler doesn't die. And, and what you're supposed to do is slowly let the clutch out, give it a little gas, and you go on. Being new at this whole thing, I punched the gas, let the clutch out quickly, and instantly started doing a wheelie. 
in the middle of Route 68. My buddy says it was the slowest wreck he had ever seen. Because as I'm going across, I'm, I'm going vertical and then slowly going past vertical and ended up on my back with a four-wheeler on top of me. Now, if anybody knows Route 68 north up here, there's usually lots of cars on it. Well, the one that happened to be coming towards me was a semi. Yeah. So my buddy jumps off his four-wheeler really quickly, grabs the quad, throws it in the ditch. I mean, literally throws in the ditch. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Picks me up. We run into the ditch, and the, the truck goes by. I don't recommend ever doing that. That was a huge failure on my part that had major consequences. And, and they still haven't let me forget that. So what did I do? I went and sold the four-wheeler and invested in a motorcycle. Yeah, a really bad idea. Another failure. Um, but I have way too many failures that I could tell you about. But yet, by God's grace, I stand here before you today. And that's what we're going to talk about. Because in the Bible... There are some very famous failures in the Bible. Abraham, Moses, David. All right, you can go through there. And they had some failures of utter proportions. But yet, they are hailed as heroes of the faith. There's two, one person specifically I want to focus on this morning Another one that we'll mention. The first that I will mention that had, is really still defined by their failure because of the way it ended. How many of you know Judas Iscariot? The man who was a disciple of Jesus Christ who also betrayed him for money. Now, why is he known by his failure? Because he died in it. His failure he allowed to define who he was and took it upon himself to commit suicide. That's how we remember Judas Iscariot, isn't it? No one here, I hope, wants to be known that way at all. Because there's another account in the Bible that shows us what happens when we endure failure and allow God to push us towards finishing well. That story is the story of Peter. Peter is one of my favorite people in the Bible because he's not perfect. He has a desire for leadership and he loves the Lord. And he also went through failure. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 22. We're going to read this portion out of Luke and then we'll jump to John. Because all four Gospels actually tell of this account of what we're going to read. All four of them. Now there's some things that not all four Gospels talk about. Some of them talk about different things that happened during Jesus' life, but all of them talk about this. And this 
is Jesus foretelling of Peter's denial. So Luke 22, verse 31. This is right after the, the Last Supper. So all the disciples had eaten in the upper room together. And Jesus had instituted the Last Supper. This is my body. So he breaks the bread, which is broken for you, and he gives the cup. This is my blood poured out as a new covenant for you. And then he has this interaction with Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that, you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So what did Jesus just foretell? Peter, you're going to fail. All right? Satan has demanded to sift you. I've prayed for you. But then those words... And when you turned again, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So it signifies hmm, there's going to be something he's going to need to turn from or turn back to. And Peter, this is his answer. Uh-uh, Lord, I'm ready to, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Right? He makes this statement. I'm willing to go to the end with you, Lord. I'm going to stand up for you. That's not going to happen. But Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Imagine being Peter and hearing that. Hey, Satan's asked to sift you. You're like, not going to happen. And then Jesus, the Savior of the world, says, no, you will. What do you think goes through your mind as you hear that? No, I'm going to do my best, right? I'm going to do my best to make that not be true. Probably be one of the things that would go through my mind. Nope, 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 nope. I'm going to prove him wrong. Well, just a little bit later in verse 54, Jesus had been arrested now, and he is before Caiaphas and the council, basically going through trial number one. And in verse 54 says this, Then they seized him and led him away, being Jesus, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour still, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Peter just failed. And I don't want you to miss this. This is verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. So you have the foretelling of Peter's denial. Peter probably going, nope, not going to happen. I'm going to prove him wrong. And then it happens. Right? And you have this picture of Jesus as he's in, the, in this house in the midst of being questioned. Probably made fun of. And as the rooster crows, he looks out the window. And he looks at Peter. What kind of look could that have been? Was it one of disappointment? Mm, I don't know. Was it one of sadness? Probably. But can you imagine just being Peter as that happened and seeing Jesus look at you? The feeling that you would have had. It would have tore me up. Literally. I would have been torn up if that happened to me. And it, it tore Peter up too. Because the very next thing we read is he went out. So he ran out and wept bitterly. That word could also be uncontrollably. It tore him up. That failure, he knew it when it happened, drove him to weep bitterly. I don't know if you guys have ever had an instance in your life where there's been something that, whether you didn't do it right, you made a mistake, you failed, and all you could do was just be mad at yourself. I've been there. I've been there recently. It is not a fun experience. And there's a decision to make in those times when we have these kinds of failures. The decision is, am I going to be defined by that, that failure, or am I going to be defined as something else? Well, if you know the story of Peter, it doesn't stop here as Judas Iscariot's did. What happens is Jesus is crucified. He is led to the cross and crucified, buried in a tomb. And I'm sure this is what is going through Peter's mind as all of this is happening. Is this moment when he denied Jesus. Because Peter's watching it all happen. Crucifixion. He wasn't at the burial, but he knew it had to happen. And then, the empty tomb. So the ladies go to the tomb first. And then, the next two people we read that go to the tomb are Peter and John. And they both look in. And the tomb is empty. And in the book of John, after that, what we read is the disciples actually went home. They didn't know what had happened. Whether somebody stole the body, that was the question. question. Whether he had actually risen. They didn't know. But they went home. So turn to John 21. 
Because Peter's story does not end in his failure. Jesus doesn't allow it to. So here we are, post-resurrection. Jesus had already appeared to many. And now he appears to the disciples. And this is what it looks like. After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. This was their job. All right, They had all gone back home, and they were going back to work. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. This is where we start to see the change. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here they had gone back to work, gone back home, and now they realize this is Jesus who has been risen from the dead. And did you see what Peter did when he was told it is the Lord? What did he do? He jumped out of the boat, didn't he? He jumped out of the boat, put on his outer garment, and ran to the Lord. What was the last thing that happened with Peter? Denial, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what was going through Peter's mind and heart to hear that it was the Lord Jesus that was on the shore calling to them? And then here's the beautiful interaction. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said because of what death he might die by. Do you see that interaction? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many? Go ahead. Three. How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? How many different things did Jesus give Peter to do? How many commands? Three. Do you think that's on accident? No. That's not on accident. That's not by chance. Jesus is restoring Peter at this point. I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't mention a word about Peter's failure. He doesn't mention one word about it. He doesn't say, Peter, you remember? Why'd you do that, man? He doesn't say that at all. Instead, he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed them. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. I love it because Jesus, Jesus is not allowing Peter to live in his failure. To be defined by that. Peter now has a new identity. Jesus just gave him purpose. You can turn the page to Acts. And you see Peter on the steps of the Temple Mount. Preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Because he was restored. By Jesus. It's important that when we experience failure in our life, we don't allow those failures to define who we are. We allow them to push us to growth. We should always grow from our failures, but never be defined by them. Why? Because there is a Savior, the King of the universe who redefines who you are. And we as believers need to live like that and to know that when you do fail, God is quick to restore you. He doesn't want to see you down and out and depressed and even worse, He wants you to be who he has created you to be. A, perfect, a purposeful proclaimer of who he is. And that is exactly who he made Peter to be. At the end of this passage, the end of verse 19, 
Jesus uses two words to bring about full restoration of Peter. It is the same two words Jesus used to call Peter to follow me. Two words. He called Peter with the words, follow me. He restores Peter with two words, follow me. When you guys are in the midst of the junk of your life, failures particularly, there are two words that you need to remember that Jesus has called you with. Follow me. Because anything that tries to define you, define you by your failures is of the world. There's your choice. You can follow the world, which leads to destruction. Or you can follow the one who redefines you as his child, kings, queens, heir, loved, cherished, children. Guys, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. But we have a God who loves us unconditionally. And according to Romans 8.1, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Jesus will not hold it over your head. For those who are in Christ, you're not condemned. We need to live that way. And then further on in that Romans 8 passage, verse 39, there is not one thing in the world that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even your failures. You can never be separated from the love of God because of Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Trust in his restoration. And guys, as Jesus did with Peter in propelling him to finish well, finish well. Live your life in obedience to Jesus and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you love us unconditionally, even when we fail. Even when we deny you, you still love us, and you are quick to restore us. Father, help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Lord, I pray for all these students as school ends and they look forward to going into summer, look forward to going to college, to work, whatever it is you have ahead of them, Lord. That they would keep their eyes fixed on you and walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And Lord, for all of us, that we would finish well. Lord, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.